The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Money in Your Life, the radio program that gives you the insight and motivation to be more successful with all aspects of your personal finances. Your hosts are Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. Today's program will feature experts and intriguing ideas that will show you how money is actually operating in your life. Now, here are Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. Welcome to Money in Your Life, a weekly show about the influence of money in your life. I'm Brian Farr. And I'm Ann Hutchins. And today's a special day, our last broadcast of 2013. We have created 13 shows, or no, it's 15 shows this year. Topics have covered a wide variety of the different ways and places that money shows up in our lives. We've talked about happiness and money, emotional currency, how financial advisors work with clients, as well as the dark side of money in the financial services industry. We've talked about couples and money, children and money, developing financial intelligence, and many other topics. The feedback we're getting from our listeners has been very positive. What's been your most memorable moments in recent episodes, Anne? Boy, Brian, that is really tough. It's been a just a really great re- evolution. And I'm really, I look back at the topics that we've covered, and it is so broad-ranging. I have to say, though, that my favorite topic and the my favorite show was the one that we did at the beginning of uh, the second week in December with Joe Knight in talking about financial intelligence. Joe was so clear about the things that people can look at in their business. And we talked a little bit about how that that carries over into their personal life and their personal personal financial intelligence. Mm-hmm. And we talked again about values as well. But one of the things that I am really struck by is that through through the variety of speakers that we've had and through the variety of episodes, the thing that has stood out for me is how important, and as a coach, is how important communication is. In yes. talking about money and opening up this conversation around money has been a lot of really spectacular. And I look forward to future episodes. How about yeah. you? Well, you, speaking about communication is a uh, the, the I think the episode for me that might stand out the most is the one we did on couples and money, because that's such a focused conversation when two people choose to live together share their lives, there's inevitably an overlapping of their finances. And if there's not clear communication, it's almost inevitable that there's going to be problems. And um, so I think that that's, that's, that's probably, you know, and I've, I've, uh, all our shows can be taken, uh, can be found on iTunes and there's MP3s. Um, You know, it's easy to just get, to, to get copies of our shows. And that particular episode, Couples and Money, 
Um, diff I have referred some of my clients to it and other people. It, it's starting to travel around on its own now. Uh, mm -hmm. People have told me that they've liked that show. They've gotten something out of it. Um, one person, I got an email from somebody who said, my wife and I have started to talk about money in new ways, and we even created a budget for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. That, that astonishes me, the power of a radio program, that somebody could hear something, get some motivation from it, and then, and then change their behavior as a result of that. I think what it goes back to, Brian, is something that you and I hold pretty firmly in doing this show, which is we want everybody to walk away with something that they can use at the end of every show, no matter who the guest is. It could be Tim Kasser and it and his his wonderful YouTube about yes. the uh, the power of advertising and consumption and what we can all do differently. It could be, um, it could be it, really anybody. It could be Joe Knight talking mm -hmm. about the four things that are important for you to look at in financial statements. It could be Kate Levinson talking yes. about emotional currency. It's really mm -hmm. any of those things that they all boil down to tools that people can use to talk about money in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, and this is one of my fondest memories, and it actually comes from before the show, uh, the first recording is when I believe it was in June and I was in Santa Barbara and we were with another colleague, another financial coach, and the excitement that the three of us had when we were talking about the possibility of bringing our, uh, our excitement about this topic into a larger realm. Because we all work with clients face-to-face. -face. We, we meet with people in offices or we meet with people over the internet with Skype or other programs. And, and to then step beyond that to a larger audience and say, this is what we're learning. And, and right. this is, you know, th there can be more freedom in one's relationship with money with a little bit of knowledge. It doesn't take all that much to, pro to provoke a shift. Well, and I think the, uh, that's exactly right. And the other important thing that I would say is that the background that you and I both have in different parts of the financial services industry mm -hmm. serves, serves as a good knowledge base for clients. Mm -hmm. Say more about that. You're, you're referring to the history that you bring to this program and the history that I bring to it? Yeah, the one thing that I came to this program with is really an interest in forming a bridge to the financial services industry for clients that I'm working with. There, as in any industry, there are there are ethical players and there are unethical players, and I think some in the the financial services industry have gotten a bad rap, but mostly. What I see is people are just confused about the proliferation, as you referred to it, the blizzard of information yep. that is out there. People are being asked to make more information, more informed decisions about their financial life with less information than they have historically had or less clear information. Yeah, the clarity of the information. Yeah, less clear information. And as Helene Olin said, you know, it would be really nice if we all knew exactly when we were going to die. It would make planning much more, <laughs> much easier, but we don't. And so as people are looking around at different, different options for 
their financial future, it they find it, what I have found with my clients is they find it helpful to have somebody who can translate, mm-hmm. not tell them what to do, but can translate the difference between a broker and a banker and a an insurance salesman. And because all of those roles have blurred yep. since since Glass-Steagall was knocked down. We're getting some of it put back in, uh-huh. but all of those roles have blurred. And the products, to somebody who's not in the industry or doesn't have a background in the industry, the products look the same. Yes. So being able to go through and point out the things that are important for people to look at, for people to think about, and as you and I talk about a lot, to start from a place of what are your values and how do you want money to serve you is the gift of this show. Yes. I really like what you're saying because it's in in terms of the the industry side of it. Because truth be told, I left the industry in 1999. Um, I was a partner in an investment management firm, and I realized I came to believe that that the relationship with money and the communication around money was something that I felt was more important than the rates of return on the money. And and I don't mean to say that in a dismissive way, but it's it's probably just a, a reflection of me too. What I found to be more uh, engaging, and so that's my side that I bring to the. Um, to our radio program, our work together, is this passion around communication and seeing where people um, get caught up thinking that more money is the answer to all the questions around money. And it's, well, I, yeah. Well, I think one of the big shifts, though, Brian, is that in the 90s, uh, there, the, we had different markets and the rates of returns were different. Yes. And what what we're facing now is an environment with a lot lower assumed rates of return. Mm-hmm. It used, you know, we, we saw 15 to 20% returns on portfolios. And now people, uh, you know, managers are reaching for four to six over time. Yeah. So there's a significant shift and that's an important framework for people to have. And also an important an important factor to consider in their decisions. Well, XYZ got X percent. Mm-hmm. Understanding understanding that if you are reaching for a higher pr- return, you're also reaching with a higher risk. Yep, you've got to have more risk with that. Yeah, so coming back to what it, what how do I want this money to serve me? What are my values? How can I go forward and how can I have the conversation with my spouse, my kids, my parent, start internally and move externally instead of letting advertising dictate the life that you should live is right. the message. Letting letting advertising, like like you had mentioned with with Tim's work, Tim Kasser's work, that that there uh, and also I think uh, Richard Wilson when the piece that he brought to it, uh, and we've had a couple of guests where they they have experience with. Uh, extremely wealthy families and how that can throw people off from their values, mm-hmm. from their true values. So it, 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 it has been a thread through these, these 15 episodes that we've done that the starting point 
for making decisions around our finances needs to be personal. Right. And that that sometimes can be a challenge because yeah. we can get caught up in what our family expectations are or caught up in the larger community. Um, there's different patterns that we can be bringing to our money that we're really not even conscious about. And if if we can take the time and it's it's as a financial coach, what I've learned is is three or four sessions, sometimes as many as short as two or three sessions, people will get this. Oh, that's what's going on. That makes sense. And then there's that shift. And so then then it's like they have they can navigate more effectively because they know the place from which they're navigating. Yeah, the other important question that uh, – the other powerful question to ask is how much is enough? Because mm-hmm. a lot of – a number of times clients have come to me saying, I don't have enough to retire. I don't have enough to uh, to support my grandkids. I don't have enough to do the things I want to do. And really, when we have looked at what is enough, nine times out of ten – the clients have discovered that they have enough and or they know they know how to quantify and qualify their goals so so you're saying that when you when you're working with a client who has this concern about not having enough that there's a part of the process when you sit down with pen and paper and and add it up and do some you know adding and subtracting and multiplication and uh, like Joe Knight said, we don't have to do any more complex math than that. Exactly. Uh, and then th- that gives a framework then to have a conversation about how much is enough. That's right. Yeah, yeah that and the money story. They're two powerful tools to mm-hmm. use is examining individual or a couple's money stories, what they tell themselves around money and where that came from and revisiting the facts of the money story. Yes, that's one of the um, w- the key tools that that it's it's interesting to me uh, uh, I, how often we can go forward without getting uh, having that pause about okay so what does this mean to me what's my story from my own family it seems like people can get caught in headlines about their family or the worst circumstances or maybe the best circumstances, but not just get a fleshed out understanding of their own relationship to that story and what it means to them. Right. And it all comes down to not communicating about it. For some reason, money is a really difficult thing for people to talk about. Yes. Yeah. I, I have come to believe and seen it happen where money almost serves as a magnet it will draw emotions into it and become overcharged. And so then having a conversation just about the, the dollars, the actual numbers, is difficult because there's these other layers on top of it. Mm-hmm. And so that, it seems to me, is one of the tools that um, I'd say a number of our guests have really given effective ideas on how to – pull those layers apart, tease them apart a little bit so that there can be clarity that this is the numbers. These are the ca- this is the cash flow issue. And then this is that money history part. This is what I always do when such and such happens, or this is what my family did, or when she says that, he reacts this way. Um, it, it's that 
kind of teasing apart that really, I think, is at the basis of money in your life. Exactly. That, exactly. That's the foundation. Yeah, and we're going to actually, we're going to do a little bit of coaching. We're going to do some coaching scenarios in the on the other side of the break. But right for right now, we are going to have to take a break. We'd love for you to call us at 866-472-5790 or email us at moneyinyourliferadio at gmail.com. I'm Ann Hutchins with my co-host Brian Farr, and you have Money in Your Life. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you have financial goals for yourself? Do you want to be smart with money in all areas of your life? If you're ready to become more effective with your personal finances, then you might be ready to hire a financial coach. Since 2002, Brian Farr has helped hundreds of people improve their relationship with money. He's unbiased, honest, and approachable. If you'd like to learn more about financial coaching, visit Brian's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.brianhfarr.com. The goal of financial coaching is to open up the conversation around money with your spouse, your children, or your extended family. Ann Hutchins works with individuals, families, and financial professionals to improve relationships with money. Her work with clients is confidential, honest, and fun. Visit Ann's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.abhutchins.com. That's abhutchins.com. Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. You're listening to Money in Your Life with Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to moneyinyourliferadio at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. You have money in your life. I am Brian Farr with my co-host Ann Hutchins. And our guest today, excuse me. I'm so excited. Uh, We don't have a guest today because we are working with the case studies that uh, Ann and I have created for today's show. Um, Both of us are financial coaches. So what we've done is created composite clients. As you can imagine, all of our work with clients is confidential. We never talk about the the individual uh, specifics of, of cases that we work with, with the individuals we work with. But we're able to create composites, a general sense of um, what what the issues are that people face. And so I'm going to start off with a case that is a self-employed individual. And does this sound like a good place to jump in? 
It does, Brian. And one of the things I, I would just like to add to what you just said is that there are themes that come up for a lot of people over and over again. And so we thought that we would take some time. So because people aren't really familiar with what financial coaching is, and we wanted to show you how financial coaching can work using a couple of different composite cases that Brian and I have have put together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the first one I'm going to uh, talk about, uh, I'm going to call him Bill. And Bill is a real estate broker. Um, actually, Bill is similar to other people who work with periodic income. Uh, many folks have a regular salary that comes in, and it, it makes it much simpler to build a uh, consistent financial life, to p- put together a budget. But in Bill's situation, he would sell two or three or four homes in one month and then nothing for a couple of months. And he'd be working throughout that time frame, but the actual closings and the cash event would, would come uh, periodically. So what he found himself doing was um, using credit cards in between the big paydays from his commissions. And it worked for him for quite a while because there'd be another payday soon enough and then he'd pay the credit cards back down. But then when uh, 2008 and 2009 came along and, and the real estate market slowed down, he used that same strategy of going onto the credit card, but the market didn't pick up and he didn't get that next cash flow. And so it was a case where he had to really rework his the the mechanics of how money flowed through his life so that he could pay down these debts pay down this credit card debt so can i ask a good question right when when he came to you or when these individuals come to you what did they present as their goal in the work that you do yep. together it's a good question the the um the goal in this case was to get to get out of the credit card debt. Um, I have found that many people have kind of – it would be like a threshold. Some people are comfortable with zero credit card debt. They pay it off every month. They never have anything different. Other people are comfortable with 5000 or 3000 or 8000 or 15000 or whatever the number might be. And I've had numerous people come in over the last eight years – that the reason they came in is because they've gone beyond that threshold number that they're comfortable with. And so that's the starting point is to get their credit card debt paid down. And then they're very open to the next part of the conversation, which is what changes do I need to make so it doesn't happen again? So how do you, how do you start out with a client like this? I try to get a picture. Uh, I actually call it a snapshot. It's on my website. I've I've made it available to people for over 10 years. They float around. It's a simple way to look at income and expenses. Uh, It's just one page, and it's a a clear picture of an average household expenses. And then on the other side, there's income, and you subtract expenses from income, and that's either a positive number or a negative number, and that is the starting point. Mm -hmm. So... For some people, we'll, we will jump right into that somewhere during the first session. But for other people, there's more 
some of the financial history, not necessarily the numbers of the financial history, but the personal history about what it was like in their family or people who have gone through a divorce and have some you know, bad memories from that. Sometimes we work our way through those conversations and then come to the snapshot in the second session. Uh, but pretty early on, I want to tie the work into the reality of the cash flow in that household. Okay. And then you mentioned that some people are, are comfortable with a little bit of debt. Some are comfortable with no debt. Some are comfortable with higher levels of debt. How do you assess an individual's risk tolerance? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I do it through conversation. I know that there's other folks that have different tools and there's there's multiple choice tests and stuff. I just I listen for it and I'll ask questions uh, over time. How much debt have they had? Um, what what are they comfortable with? I'll ask direct questions like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. It's the by. My experience has been if you ask somebody how risk tolerant they are they're more likely to say that they're more, more risk tolerant than they actually are. Say, say a little bit more about that. I just have found that when I say to people, how risk tolerant are you? How risk tolerant do you think you are in your investing? Mm-hmm. They're much more likely to say, oh, I can, stand, I can stand quite a bit of risk. And in further conversation about the kinds of things that you're talking about, their money history, their their situation growing up, the messages that they got as kids around money or even as, as adults around money, mm-hmm. uncover possibly a different level of risk. And that's always an interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you're referring to risk when, when people make investments in the stock market. But and I, I think you're also talking about this, like how much how much credit card debt are you comfortable with? Because that's a risk. There's a risk that your income will drop and you won't be able to pay it back. Exactly right. Thank you for that clarification. That's exactly what I'm talking about is okay. how stable what what is what gives you a sense of security? That's the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's another piece in here that that came out in the conversation with with Bill, the the, the example that I'm calling Bill, uh, and and this happens with uh, certain people that work on commission or sometimes when there's gifts that um, that that there that the arrival of money is is like a celebration. Mm-hmm. And and it loses. There's they folks can lose that uh, grasp that money's a tool. Money is is a is a tool that allows us to you know live our life and 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 really um, obviously having fun is part of it. Celebrating is part of it. But if it's in a in a larger context, then we can create a life that's sustainable. Yeah, um, that's exactly right. So so talk about how you go about doing that. Well, I think that that for that one, there's it, it grows out of that snapshot, out of that clarity of what an average household spends in a month. And this can be for an individual or it could be for two people living together. It can be with a family. It's the same uh, principle that when you have a clear picture of what a typical month looks like, what an average month looks like, then you can you can navigate more clearly. 
you can get a warning sign in the middle of the month that, wow, we're really, we've spent a lot because of the transmission went out or we had family in from out of town and then readjust for the last two weeks of the month so that you can get back on track to your averages. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a matter of, one of my mentors says that awareness is self-correcting. And and I really think that awareness around the way that money moves through a household, it, for people, the, for the vast majority of people, awareness is the self-correcting mechanism. You know, one of the other important things that I'm hearing in this conversation is the beginning of a realization and, and talk around a longer-term view of what that what that income is supporting. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 and if I can just jump with it, the longer term view is that we have the month. So there's four weeks to get through. So we want to spread it out over that. We have the quarter. So there's three, three months together. And sometimes there might be expenses that come in at the end of three months uh, that we don't have to spend every three months. And then the next long term view is for a full year. And we might have ex a couple of expensive months. One month, there's going to be a family vacation. And one month is December, where there's a lot of extra expenses. Mm -hmm. So knowing that in advance allows us to set a little money aside from the less expensive months so we can cover the more expensive months and people don't, and, and at that point, not have to go on to the credit cards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, it, so it's having some sort of a tool to get through those longer terms, the three-month and the one-year period. And what I've learned as people get that to go from the one month to the three months to the year, then they use that same set of skills and start planning for five years and 10 years out. So it's yeah. It also strikes me that you're talking about sorting out responsibility, right? So you're talking about sorting out the responsibility and, and having people have an awareness that they're they're, they have choices that they've made in the bills that they've taken on, mm -hmm. and they have a responsibility to pay those debts at a certain period of time. Mm -hmm. And that credit card companies, for example, allow you a longer period of time, and they charge you for the privilege. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you get to choose whether you want to pay that fee or whether you want to pay it off without the fee. Yes, yeah, to pay, pay it on time so there's no penalty. Right, exactly. And what I tr talk to my clients about is that I'm not going to dictate which one they do. But That's there right. is a conversation around the choices and the trade-offs that, mm -hmm. that people make. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm not sure if you've run into this, but some people, as I watch them and talking and that word responsibility comes up, you can see some people kind of draw back a little bit or get a mm -hmm. tiny little bit of a look on their face that it's distasteful. Yeah. That that sense of some people have been beat up with the word responsibility. Oh, right. you're not a responsible person around the whole specifically I'm speaking about with money um, that that then when I sense that I'm, I'm usually pretty quick to to give a new definition to the word responsibility. Exactly. And I, like, I yeah, go ahead. I like the definition that responsibility means to be able to respond. Yeah. 
And when it's that simple, it's to be able to respond, then that ties back into what you're saying of, of uh, being able to make choices, to do planning, um, to, to do all of those things that then gets labeled as, oh, this is a responsible person. They, 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 are, they are living within their means. And not only that, they're prospering within that, that amount of money. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, words are words are fraught with yes. meaning. I run into the same thing when I when I begin to talk to people about budgets. People say, "Uh, a budget. It's so confining and constraining." And so we make up other words for it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. saving plan or vacation plan or make up something that makes you mm-hmm. feel better about it. And responsibility is the same way is, uh, you know, we're, we're recognizing choices. And really, if you want to buy a latte every week, go right ahead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about trade-offs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So that's where we get to. And, and no, I think one of the things that you and I both have talked a lot about is not dictating to people what their proper way is. Oh, yes. In a coaching session, we, you know, coaching is about the goal in coaching is about determining a plan that is sustainable for the individual. Mm-hmm. And what works for me is maybe not going to work for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as a coach, it's my goal to uncover what your best, what your best self is. Yes. You know, one of one of the people who is uh, her, her name is Jenny Rogers, and she's one of the teachers in the coaching profession. And she I love a quote. I actually have this quote on my website. Coaching is a partnership of equals whose aim is to achieve speedy, increased and sustainable effects and effectiveness through focused learning. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a lot of words, but speedy, increased and sustainable effectiveness through focused learning. Mm-hmm. And then it comes around the the coach and the client have the sole aim of closing the gaps between potential and performance. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what financial coaching does w- around the specific topic of money. So if we go back to your client or your composite client, because we're, we're getting close to a break here, mm-hmm. we're – where do you go with that as the coach? Where do you where did you go with him? Well, there's there's two stages. One is to to get help them get past the panic a little bit. Uh, get get through that initial panic stage that brought them in. Oh, oh, something's gone wrong here and and we we've got to make some progress. So, getting past that initial stage and then into the next stage and this ties in with what you were saying that it's his values what's important to him and so my work at that point is helping him helping him understand that maybe it's drawing him out maybe it's telling you know him telling me some stories from the past or a lot of times it's more important is what his vision is for the future and then using the skills he's developed to get out of trouble those same skills then become the skills he uses for moving forward and and number 1 staying out of trouble but number 2 creating the life he really wants Right. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. It's, I, I have to say, I love my work. I feel very fortunate to have, uh, I made this transition from being a partner in an investment management firm to becoming a financial coach. And, uh, and it's really been rewarding. And the probably one of the most rewarding parts is seeing people 
make these transformations. There's this kind of thing where it's like, oh, that's what's going on. I get it now. And then I'll hear from them two or three, three years later that it's, you know, they've, these changes are sustainable. Right. The, the benefits of the financial coaching are sustainable. Right. And I'm sure exactly. you've seen that too in your practice, Anne. I have. And the thing that you're saying, which is really rich, really resonates, is that these changes take time. Yes. And patience and observation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And there's a magic when you have a witness to it, which is the financial coach, right. somebody who is knowledgeable and, and can hold the flashlight and ask good questions. But then it also becomes a shared experience, whether it's with an individual or a couple um, or with a family to have a, a witness for this process of change that they enter into. Uh, and and then that that I think that's part of the glue that makes it sustainable. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. So Anne, we need to take a break, and then uh, we'll come back and talk about a few more uh, cases. Um, you are listening to Money in Your Life, and uh, if you would like to join the conversation, we're at eight six six four seven two fifty seven ninety. And as always, you can email. Money in your life radio at gmail.com and give us, shoot us some emails and we will uh, listen to, we will read them on our next shows. So we look forward to hearing from you. I'm Brian Farr with my co host, Ann Hutchins. You have money in your life. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for the keywords World Talk Radio. Once you're a part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the World Talk Radio network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for World Talk Radio. The goal of financial coaching is to open up the conversation around money with your spouse, your children, or your extended family. Anne Hutchins works with individuals, families, and financial professionals to improve relationships with money. Her work with clients is confidential, honest, and fun. Visit Anne's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.abhutchins.com. That's abhutchins.com. Do you have financial goals for yourself? Do you want to be smart with money in all areas of your life? If you're ready to become more effective with your personal finances, then you might be ready to hire a financial coach. Since 2002, Brian Farr has helped hundreds of people improve their relationship with money. He's unbiased, honest, and approachable. If you'd like to learn more about financial coaching, visit Brian's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.brianhfarr.com. Save on your prescriptions with the RX Savings Plus drug discount card offered by Voice America. It is not insurance and discounts are only available from participating pharmacies, but 9 out of 10 pharmacies participate nationwide. Start saving today. Print your free card online at voiceamerica.rxsavingsplus.com or text the word TALK RADIO to 96362. You're listening to Money in Your Life with Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. 
To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to moneyinyourliferadio at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. I'm Brian Farr with my co-host, Ann Hutchins. Today, we are talking about some of the um, client work that Ann and I do in financial coaching. And we're doing this by way of uh, composite characters. We're keeping the confidentiality of all our clients, um, but we've found that there are common themes uh, that, that, that weave through the work that, uh, that happens when we're exploring the, the issues around finances, personal finances and money. So, Anne, do you have, uh, do you have somebody that you would like to share with us? Yeah, Brian, I thanks. I want to talk about something that I've seen recently which is uh, which affects a number of sort of 20 something year olds and actually it may affect all age ranges, but the the group that I've mostly been talking to in this area is 20 something year olds and it has to do with 401k's. It's a retirement plan development that is a defined contribution. So the employee has to contribute and the company contributes. And when people start jobs or change jobs, or once a year, you look at your 401k plan and you are offered a number of different, a laundry list of mutual funds and asked to make what's called an asset allocation to choose what funds to put in your portfolio and how much to contribute. Now, I want to be clear that this is not financial advising that I'm doing, but there is an information piece to this choice that is missing. And a lot of personnel or human resource departments shy away from the information piece with the worry that it can be seen as giving advice. What I have seen is... 20-something-year-olds come and they show me the laundry list of mutual funds and say, how am I supposed to decide what mutual funds I choose for my retirement plan? So our conversation is pretty practical. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that you know financial coaching engagements can be two sessions. They can be a year long. They can be as long as needed to work on the the presenting issue, as I could say. So these tend to be relatively short, if you will, because what I do with clients is I go through how to read a mutual fund report. Ooh, I'll bet that's a helpful thing for lots of folks. Yeah, and looking at things like how long has this fund been in business, Who's the manager? What are the holdings? What has been the performance over time? And then we go to a conversation just like the one that you and I referenced before, which is about risk tolerance. And I don't generally use that term, but mm-hmm. I it's all about, well, what what would your values, what would you like to see? And what's been your history around money? And I can assess how risk tolerant employees are. And then so, we point can, out who to call for information. Mm-hmm. 
Can can I jump in on a question there? Sure. When when you're assess when somebody's 26 years old, 28 years old, and they've opened their 401k account, they've opened their retirement account. The this whole idea of risk risk assessment. How do you do that with somebody who this is really the first time they've they've um, invested? Uh, they put money in the market and, you know, maybe they've never had uh, credit card debt. They pay it off each month. So it's a whole new idea to them. Well, a number, of them don't e- a number of them don't even have credit cards yet. Okay. Or they may be bending their first. The, it's not so much around the investing that I assess the risk tolerance. It's around the, what's their history of money been. Okay. What's their family what did they learn in their family? What was the conversation around money in their family? What's the family background? What is their money story? Uh-huh. You know, there are individual, what I, one of the things I've learned, and there is a lot of literature on it, but there are investing types. There are people who, are, who could care less about investing, and they, they'd, they'd rather either put their hand, head in the sand or they just are sure that the world will take care of them. There are savers, then there are spenders. And those are three of the main ones. There are a couple more, but those are the three types that we talk about. And so I try to assess what type this individual is. Okay. And then we go through their... It, when after going through the mutual fund report, we go through who their contacts are, who, who they can call to find out more about their choices in the mutual funds, who their company representative is. Uh, you know, one of the I had a, a client who said, you know, I called the, the representative and I think I woke him up uh. because nobody calls. <laughs> but the point the point is and the point of all of my financial coaching is that there are people that whose job it is to answer your questions and those are the people that you can call and then we have a conversation we have a follow-up conversation about the answers that they got and there's a bit of translating that goes on as well in the financial coaching session. So, so they tend to be much more practical, these, th- these sessions. That kind of a conversation. And I can imagine that, that if, if, if you're having two or three sessions, you might get, they might get clarity in that first session about what they need to do. Then they go make the phone call or they meet, meet with their HR person. They get more information and they come back for, to you for a second session. And then you walk through what that you know, kind of decode it uh, or translate it so that they can they can get it understand it in their own personal words. That's exactly right. And the other thing that I do, especially in cases like this, is I schedule follow up touch points, which generally, depending on the level of comfort of the individual, it can be six months, it can be a year, it can be a year and a half. We just touch base. And we look at how the how their funds have performed and how comfortable they are and what their uh, what their framework for assessment is. Right. When you're describing that, and I have the image of, uh, say, a, a basketball player or a soccer player, 
that soccer player, she's out on the field playing the game, and then there's a little pause in the action, and she'll run over to the edge of the field and talk to the coach for 30 seconds and then run back out onto the field. Exactly. It's her job to play the game. She's got all the, you know, the skills that she has at that time, but to run over and have a few, a little head to head with the coach and get some clarity and then go back out, that can improve her play out on the field. Yes. And it also gets her familiar with the questions that she should, she can be asking herself. Yes. And reminders of where to look for performance and what framework to use. What am I comparing my large cap stock portfolio to? Mm-hmm. You know, yes. what is the framework for how, if I, if I made money, that's fine. But if I made less than the overall market, is that good? Is that bad? What should I be aware of? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, even when you, when you, you and I are both of this world, when we say large cap, and, and that means something to us, and it means something to people who know the language. Right. Uh, just last, just two weeks ago, I had somebody in my office, and, and this person said, uh, you know, I just, I, it's like a foreign language to me. Right. As, as, soon as, as soon as the advisor says the third phrase that I don't understand, I feel less competent, and I feel like I, it, I can't sort my way through. Exactly. And this goes back, this is an excellent point, goes back to something that we talked with uh, Richard Wilson about. Actually, we've had a couple of different conversations about it, which is if your advisor, even if it is the overseer on your 401k for your company, if they're using words that you don't understand, keep asking them until you do. Yes. That's my advice. And so we come back when clients like this, like these 20-something-year-olds, they come back and I translate and show them other sources where they can look up the information. And they begin to get a comfort level of their own in asking questions. And that's the point because this is a sustainable – this is for their life, right? Mm -hmm. These -hmm. are questions that they can ask all their life. Mm-hmm. And I've never thought of it this way, but if if you want, if a person wants to have a working vocabulary to carry on a conversation with the 401k provider with the uh, service you know financial service person, I'm guessing that if you knew 20 financial vocabulary words, you could probably hang in there for the vast majority of, of these conversations. Yeah, I think that that's probably right. And what, however, one of the things, it's, I'll go back to the conversation that we just had about budget and responsibility. Mm-hmm. One of the things I encourage my clients to do is just keep asking for clarification. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Then, then, because when people are first exposed to it, the memorizing of the terms is still, it's all confusing. Yep. So mm-hmm. if they if they relate it to something that they are familiar with, mm-hmm. then it then it can make a lot more sense. It's just like yes. learning Spanish or French or exactly Italian. like that. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think for me the idea when I thought of it just now twenty words twenty vocabulary words in personal finances, that's a manageable number. If somebody says you know over the next two years 
I'm going to get familiar. I, I need to learn 15 or 20 things that I don't know right now. Mm-hmm. That, that, that then makes it a much more doable task than, than learning the entire dictionary uh, you know, that, that can seem overwhelming. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. So that's a that's a case on a practical level. And those are those are relatively short engagements. Mm -hmm. The longer term tend to be things like uh, family conversations, which can be fraught. And I what I'm talking about is things like a family either whose parents are aging and either ill or a family who has just inherited a, uh, an estate. Mm. Mm-hmm. And my ex- in my experience, the size of the estate is irrelevant. As a matter of fact, the smaller the, the, uh, the smaller the estate, the larger the emotional issues. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Because they, they, there's less money to. Well, I don't know. I could see where that would come in. Well, it's also you know the the really the thing that I have found is that the more comfortable the family has been over their life talking about money and shared goals or or shared values, the less fraught that conversation yes. is. That makes sense. And it's, it's actually, there's a tragedy on top of the loss and the grief from the death that so many families, this is the first time they really get thrown into a conversation around money. Exactly right. Yeah. So it's, exactly. it's a real challenge at those times. Yeah. But the bottom line is really about communication. It's about respect and communication. And it's also what I encourage is agreements about how we go forward. Mm-hmm. Agreements about how we go forward. I like that phrase. There's yeah, a real clarity to that. Yeah. How are we going to conduct ourselves in our meetings together? If somebody is being disrespectful, are we going to call them out on it? Mm-hmm. You know, what are, what are we agree on values before you have any conversations and then you go forward with the conversation? Oh, so you, you're creating a framework which gives some safety before you actually have the conversation, the content inside that, what, how much money and this and that and those kinds of details, before Ex- you jump into that, you create a framework for it. Exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. And, and, and knowing you, Anne, I'm, I know that that's something that you can help people have. You can provide that for folks. Well, that's why, I am, that's why I'm interested in financial coaching. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we need to wrap up today. This is uh, this has been an uh, enjoyable show. I hope that you've all enjoyed it. Uh, our last show of 2013. We will start next week, uh, first week of January. We will Friday morning, seven o'clock Pacific time, and as always, available on iTunes. Um, next year, you know, rather than try to list them off, I'm going to ask you to come join us. We have another great slate of guests coming in. We will be covering many topics that explore the issues around money in our in our lives thank you for listening today i'm brian farr and i'm ann hutchins and come back and continue the conversation because you have money in your life
Thank you for making Money in Your Life part of your financial plan this week. Please join your hosts, Ann Hutchins and Brian Farr, again next Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 